A shoot shall sprout from the stump of Jesse, and from his roots a bud shall blossom. Hello, this is Father Thomas, and welcome to the Sprouting Stump podcast series, where we reflect on the readings that come to us from the Mass each day. When we take a little time to let the Spirit come upon us, a bud shall indeed blossom in our hearts, so we might be renewed in spirit and strengthened in faith, as we take this time together to enter into that beautiful word that comes to us from God. Today's reflection is for the fifth Sunday of Easter, and Father Thomas reminds us how God is watching us do His work. Have you ever been working on something or trying to do a project and somebody was just watching you and staring at you and you got to get a little bit uncomfortable because they were staring at you? I don't know about you, but I don't particularly like it when people are watching me do things, which might make people wonder why I give a priest it's just how my responsibility to get somebody watching me do things. But there's three particular areas where I really feel uncomfortable in that situation. One is when I'm not very good at something, or I'm still trying to learn something. So I'm trying to fumble my way through figuring out how to do it, and I've got somebody staring at me as I'm fumbling through it. It makes me feel even more awkward as I'm goofing up because I don't want somebody to realize just how inadequate I am. Especially if I start to do something and really mess it up, I don't want to look like an idiot, so I'd rather them not watch me at all. Another situation, is when somebody asks me to do something and they watch me do it. I'm thinking if you're going to ask me to do something, why are you using this time to watch me do what you just asked me to do? And I start wondering, what are you watching me for? Am I not doing it right? Are you trying to compare my work to yours? Are you, what is going on? So I'm starting to think in my head, what are they thinking? And I get uncomfortable. I'm thinking, just go away, let me do my stuff, and then afterwards, I'll go away, and you can go criticize all you want. And the third situation is when I'm doing a job that maybe somebody else would normally do, and for some reason they can't do it. Maybe they have got injured, or somebody asked me to take over a job, or whatever it might be, but they're watching me do the work they normally would do. And then I'm thinking, are they comparing me to them? They're asking, why are you doing my work? And I start to wonder if they're getting a little bit resentful because I'm doing what they normally would do. Especially they might be thinking, what makes you think you're so great that you can do my job? And so I start getting uncomfortable. I'd rather them not be watching me. Well, why am I bringing this up? Well, first off, Almost on a daily basis, I do something where people are watching me and prefer they weren't. But if that was the case, you'd all have to like turn around and look at the back of church. But I just don't feel comfortable with that being stared at. But something happened this weekend that really brought this situation to mind, why I'm thinking about it. It was Mother's Day, so I went to go visit my parents. And when I showed up and walked in the door, I noticed that my dad had a big gash on the side of his face 
and his right side of his face was all swollen and black and blue. It kind of looked like Rocky at the end of his movies. And I had just learned that just shortly before I arrived, my dad was cutting the front grass and trying to, and he lost his balance and he tripped in the street and he fell on his face and hit the street, you know, on the pavement face first. My dad's 84 years old, so he's not a spring chicken. He likes to think he is, but he's not. So anyways, he was no condition now to finish cutting the grass. So, in an attempt to make up for all the anguish that caused my parents over the years of their raising me, I decided to go out and cut the grass. It was still early enough in the evening, so I went out and I decided, it's a nice night, I'll go ahead and take care of this. I used to cut it when I was little. Actually, I used to like make little shapes in the yard that my dad would really get angry. Anyways, I was cutting and so I finished cutting the yard, but it needed to be cut more than once because it got so long that I trimmed it one time high and I had to trim it again the next day at another level. So I finished it the first time, and the next day I go out. I'm about to go out and cut the grass again, and my dad says, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm going to go cut the grass again. It was too long, and I wanted to cut it a little bit late, lower to get it manageable so it doesn't look like a big jungle out there after I'm done. So he says, well, you don't have to worry about that. And I started thinking, well, maybe he's telling me that he wants to cut the grass and that I shouldn't do it. So I give my classic response, my parents tell me I have to worry about something. I say, I'm not worried about it. So I go out and I cut the grass. Well, it's an electric lawnmower. My dad just got a new lawnmower. He normally uses gas power, but he got an electric one. So I had to wait for the battery to recharge. So I finished the front, and I was going to go do the back. This time, my dad walks out the back patio with me. And he wanted me to show him something on the lawnmower. He wasn't quite sure how to use the controls. And he said, well, show me how to use this. It's a new mower. I'm not quite sure how to use it. So I spent about 10 minutes trying to explain to him how to start an electric mower. This guy tells you where his mind was at right now. All you do is push a button and pull the handle, and he couldn't get it. So I thought, uh, maybe it's not good for you to be using the lawnmower right now. So I go ahead and cut the backyard. Well, it's a beautiful day, so I'm not surprised my dad's standing out there for a while just watching me cut the grass. I am surprised when I get about a third of the way done, he's still standing in the exact same spot watching me cut the grass. I keep mowing line after line, and he's just standing there watching me. Thinking, okay, maybe you've got something better to do. And I start getting a little bit uncomfortable. And I started actually thinking, maybe I should let him cut the grass. But if I had given him the lawnmower, my mom would have beat me to the point where I looked worse than my dad. So I decided probably not a good idea to do that. But you must realize something. Cutting the grass was my dad's passion. He loves to cut the grass. He doesn't have any real hobbies, so this is something he's been doing for years. He'll do it, he'll cut it on Monday, on Wednesday, he'll go and cut it again. He'll find excuses to cut the grass. He'll cut the neighbor's grass just so he can cut the lawn. If his lawn's on enough, then he'll go, he's done that. He'll go cut the neighbor's grass, and he'll go cut two lawns over just to keep cutting the grass. It drives my mom crazy, but it gets him out of the house so she doesn't complain too much. But he really enjoys it. This is something he just loves to do. He's very proud of his lawn, and this is something he feels like he can do to make it look nice. He refuses to use a grinding lawnmower because it makes little ruts in the grass, and so he won't use one. So as I'm cutting, as I'm going mowing each line, I'm feeling a sadness that I'm taking his job. 
but I'm doing what he loves to do. And I'm wondering if he's just staring at me because he's starting to feel a little bit resentful, not necessarily that, of me, but of the fact that he can't cut the grass anymore. That his one passion is now being taken away from him, and I'm reminding him of what he can no longer do. And so while I was feeling really good about cutting the grass, now I'm feeling kind of cruddy about cutting the grass. And I knew that something was going on in his head because he was standing on the porch and he hadn't honestly moved. And it had been 45 minutes later and he was still standing in the same spot. And he's on the edge of the porch. And as I go to get to that point of the lawn, I move towards the porch and I'm cutting the grass. And as you, anyone that used to push more knows, you get towards the porch and you go to turn it around, the grass goes blowing everywhere, right? You all know that. The grass goes blowing everywhere. My dad still stands there as the grass is blowing all over his feet and he won't move. And now I'm feeling horrible. Eventually, though, I finish cutting the grass. When I'm done, and I go to start to push the lawnmower away, he walks in the house. Like, you've done my job. I no longer have a reason to be out here. I started thinking about everything. What has this got to do with anything whatsoever? As I was cutting the grass and my dad was watching me, I started reflecting on the gospel this weekend. Jesus is talking to his apostles at the Last Supper discourse. This is right before his passion. He had just gotten through washing his apostles' feet. When we heard the gospel today, he had just finished that. And Judas had just ran out after he called Judas out of betraying him. Judas runs out. And he turns to the other one to the left. And that's the gospel we heard today. He tells them, as you saw me do, you must do. You must go and love one another as I have loved you. And that passage continues on. It's in chapter 13 that we heard today, but it continues on. In chapter 14, in the gospel, we hear about the vine and the branches. And he's talking about how that love for him connects us to him. And he's explaining this to them because he had told them, as you heard the gospel, I'm going to be going away soon. And his apostles are freaking out a little bit because he's going away. And they're like, what are we going to do without you? And they're getting a little bit nervous about what's going to happen. But he assures them that he'll spend the Holy Spirit for them and it kind of goes on. But then he continues on and he tells them, once again, you must remain in my love. I am the vine and you are the branches. To remain in me, you must remain in my love. And to remain in my love by following my commandments. And my commandment is this. To love one another as I have loved you. So he says it again. And then four lines later, he reiterates one more time. And he tells them, It was not you who chose me, but I who chose you. To go and bear fruit that will last. And he says it a third time, but this time he says it as a command. He says, This is my command. Love one another. And I thought about that because Jesus was going to go away. He was not going to be present in the world like he was with the apostles, and he expected them to continue his work. 
They had to do his job. But he was going to be watching. He was going to be watching their efforts because he wanted them to bear fruit. And he wouldn't know if they're bearing fruit unless he's watching them. Scrutinizing them in a sense. You know God watches every movement we do. And I started thinking about my own life. Because that commandment to love one another isn't for the apostles only, it's for all of us. And I started realizing that this gospel puts me in those three situations that I don't want to be in. Because I don't know about you, but I'm not very good at following that commandment. Love one another as He loves us. I struggle with loving as much as God loves. I can barely love as much as some average people love, let alone compare myself to God, and yet God's watching me do this. And I fail at it. I struggle. But He's watching. And I'm disappointed. And I'm also recognizing that He asked me to do something. You go and bear fruit. I have chosen you to bear fruit that will last. So he's asked me to do something and he continues to watch as I'm doing it. And I'm uncomfortable sometimes knowing what he sees. And finally, I'm doing his job. He told the apostles that they were supposed to go off and love one another. He loved them because he was going away, but he needed his work to continue. And he needed people to love the way that he loved so that the rest of the world would know his presence through them. So they were expected to be a model of Christ for the world so that everybody else would know Christ because he was going away. And he wasn't going to come back for the second coming. So we have these three situations God is watching and I'm supposed to be doing and I'm not always doing it well because see he said not to love as I want to love he says you must love as I love you that's not an easy love to accomplish because Jesus' love was self-sacrificing he was always focused on the other. His entire life. But we need to remember something. Jesus, as the son of Mary, was only around in public ministry for three years. Jesus, as the son of God, had been around for a really long time. So his love had continued from the very beginning. He's talking about a love that he's continued to give to us from the very moment of creation all the way through till now. That love that he's been giving us. Meaning that over the course of history... He's experienced the pain, the sorrow, the hurt, the hardship that we've caused Him. And He continues to sacrifice Himself for us. After thousands of years of disappointing Him, He chooses to come into the world as a human to suffer and die for the very people that hurt Him. That's the kind of love that God expects from us. He never once turned anybody down that came to him for help. And we read in the scriptures there are times that the entire town would show up at his door and want to get healing. And he touched every single one of them. 
He would get so exhausted that he would have to go off once in a while by himself just to get away from the crowds because it was it was daunting to have to do that. It was tiring and he'd get exhausted. That's the love that God has for us. But it's also a love that's very demanding. Because God is not beyond chastising us. We recognize sometimes love requires us to be a little bit harsh. He tells us in scriptures, in the Psalms we hear, I chastise those who I love. I don't know if you've ever read the story of St. Teresa of Avila, but one time she was riding a horse and she fell off a horse going to do some work for God. She fell in a stream and she started getting washed away and she starts complaining about all her trials. St. Teresa of Avila went through a lot of difficulties as she was trying to redo her order and she started complaining about all the struggles that she's going through. That's falling off the horse with the straw that broke the back. And she starts complaining to God about her life and the difficulty. And God says to her, I give trials and hardships to those who are my friends. And St. Teresa Babylon responds to God in her typical saintly way. Well, if this is how you treat your friends, I can see why you don't have very many. But she hit on a point that was absolutely true. That God expects us to suffer out of love for others. Because loving others the way He loves us is not an easy thing to do. We're required to love those that hurt us. To expose ourselves to those that are going to betray us, insult us, persecute us, make fun of us. We have to be willing to give ourselves to those that we can't stand. The very person that thinks that we're useless and hates us is the people that we have to go out of our way to help. Because that's what Jesus does for us. Our first reading tells us quite clearly, we must endure hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Because loving as God loves us demands hardship. If you don't believe that God's love demands hardship, maybe you need to take another look up there, because that's the love that He expects us to give to others. He went through that, and He looks down to the very people who did that to Him and says, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. He forgives them the moment of His greatest pain. And He forgives us, no matter how many times we pain Him. He never gives up on us. And we'll hurt Him time and time and time again. And He'll forgive us time and time and time again. We'll disappoint Him, let Him down and disobey Him and walk away from Him. And He chases after us. And He continues to give us His gifts. How many of us are going to walk forward later in Mass and receive the gift of God Himself? And not one person as He says, Are you worthy? He says, Take me anyways. Because that's the love I have for you. 
That's the love that we are asked to give to others. We did not choose him. He chose us. He chose us to go and bear fruit that will last. This wasn't a suggestion. This was his command. You must love one another as I love you.